Thanks for tuning in to Unsponsored Content. I'm your host, Jesse Resnick, bringing you interesting conversations and stories from the world of technology and advertising with industry experts who are creating with curiosity and courage. If it's interesting or innovating, let's talk about it. Thanks for tuning back in to the Identity Series on Unsponsored Content. On episode two, we're talking all about identity solutions. Earlier this year, Xander announced its multifaceted approach to identity solutions, laying the groundwork for agnostic interoperability. So our clients can work flexibly with first-party data, including authenticated user data and industry identity solutions, alongside contextual solutions, support for browser-provided frameworks, technology that enables ad serving without personal data, and AT&T-backed data capabilities to help advertisers execute audience-based buying across screens. In the second episode, we invited some of our identity partners to unpack how their solutions are helping publishers and advertisers continue to achieve their goals in the cookie-less world. So our listeners can get familiar with your voice, guests across the globe. Can you please first introduce yourself and tell me where you work and what you do there? Daniel Zaplinski, we'll start with you. Richardly is a technology company that help marketers, publishers, and platforms build privacy-first data ecosystems to enable different use cases such as uh, addressable media, buying and selling, measurement, and such, mainly on the open web. And about me, I'm co-founder and CEO of the company. We are focusing on the Latin America opportunity. It's still early days of this in the region, but we believe it will become something huge. And we want to be first movers there on that, on that opportunity. I'm Travis Klinger. I'm the Senior Vice President of Addressability and Ecosystem at LiveRamp. LiveRamp, we are the world's data connectivity platform. We make it safe and easy for marketers and enterprises to use their data to personalize the consumer experience and measure the results of that personalization, so measure the effectiveness of their advertising. My role at LiveRamp is to ensure that we have addressable experiences and ways for marketers to easily connect their data to publisher inventory, whether that's on display, mobile web, mobile and app, connected TV. So our team, addressability, is all around deploying ATS and enabling that connection, working with platforms like Xander to easily transact and move data on our ramp ID so that marketers can take their first, second, third party data and then connect it with publisher inventory, connecting it in a way that uses a trusted value exchange and doesn't rely on third party cookies or mobile device IDs. I'm Eva Majukevich. I am the VP of product management here at Xander, essentially working on a lot of our future of identity initiatives in partnership with, of course, other product teams here at Xander, as well as our partners globally. I'm Rob Hall. I'm the CEO and one of the co-founders of Playground XYZ. We say we're on a mission to master the art and science of maximizing consumer attention on ads. I guess what makes us unique in the market and kind of where we want to differentiate is that we've built a whole kind of ecosystem around helping brands and publishers unlock the power of what we're calling attention-based advertising. It's kind of a new trend that's tapping into this emerging attention economy. And we've built this tech stack, which uses an AI fused with eye tracking data to measure and optimize how long people actually look at ads. Great. Hello. Thank you for inviting me. My name is Sonia Pham and I am the Head of Business Analysis at Illuma. 
I work with traders, clients, a whole variety of different people to help them access Illuma's exciting solutions. Illuma is a contextual company using AI to evolve the nature of contextual targeting. We expand first-party data segments to find new lookalike audiences based on the live content consumption of these first-party users. So it means we're the perfect complement to other identity solutions. We work alongside, for example, down to audience segments or indeed any other first-party data sets. The way our technology works is we deep read the content consumed by audiences and we look at thousands of contexts simultaneously, considering things like word count, semantic content, style. And we then react and pivot to target new lookalike pages, i.e. audiences, based on this live intelligence. All right. Thanks for those intros. So with the deprecation of the cookie on the horizon, how do your solutions help support buyers and sellers and help them continue to meet their business goals and move forward in this new world without cookies? Daniel, let's start with you and retargetly. Right. Our solution consists in a new cookie identity infrastructure that allows marketers, publishers, and platforms create these privacy-first data ecosystems that you need to support all these existing use cases, such as media addressability, both for buying and selling, measurement, or even just frequency capping management capabilities. And the way we do it is we use probabilistic and deterministic signals with user consent to build a unique ID that we call IDX that doesn't rely on third-party cookies. And we make it available through our demand and supply partners. So it can be used through your favorite DSP or SSP, except of Google, of course. These IDs are encrypted by partner and rotated from time to time. So we can guarantee even more control over the data and user privacy through the value chain. So I would say to summarize, either if you're a marketer or a publisher, through IDX, you will be able to support most digital advertising use cases for the open web, plus having the benefit of more control over data and user privacy. What about for you, Rob, and Playground XYZ? Yeah, I love this question. You know, as advertisers, you look at cookies or cookie pools as these high value audiences. So with the deprecation of the third party cookie, the industry's got to look for new ways to identify and validate that they're still hitting these high value audiences, right? So Contextual targeting is being listed as one of those potential solutions, and it definitely is. I guess the problem for brands is how do you identify which contexts that you should run in and how do you validate that they're working, right? So if contextual advertising is a proxy for high-value audiences, how do you identify and validate that those contexts are right? So we're on this big mission around, you know, attention on ads, and we think the best measure of consumer interest is how long someone actually looked at the ad because it's a real quality measure. If you choose to look, you know that that ad is relevant to that audience and that environment and so on. And there's lots of research coming out about attention time, you know, how long you look at the ad being basically highly predictive of brand outcomes and performance outcomes. So basically, as I said before, we have this AI that's trained by eye tracking data to measure attention on ads. And what we've done recently is fused that AI, the attention measurement AI, 
with contextual advertising and the results really fascinating. We call the thing attention optimized context. And basically the idea is that an advertiser will deliver their campaign on a bunch of URLs and we will, i.e. context, and we will start to measure which of those contexts the ads getting looked at the most and which they're getting looked at the least, and then start to optimize that in real time by skewing the delivery to those contexts and URLs where the ad's getting looked at more. And because the whole thing is about pages and URLs and not about people, it means there's no need for identifiers or cookies of any kind. So basically our thesis is that techniques like ours that are using attention-based signals as feedback loops are going to help brands basically have peace of mind that they're still hitting these high-value audiences, even when they're not using cookies. I think with Illuma, we are a cookie-less solution. So because we're using contextual signals, it means that we're compliant and future-proof. We're not reliant on cookies, device ID, or any other personal information. As I mentioned before, we're working a lot with other kind of identity solutions as a partner technology, really, to expand things like first party audiences and find new relevant people online. For buyers in particular, it means that we can grow their revenue opportunities. We're growing the size of their audience and at a greater scale than would be possible with audience methods alone. And it, it means that they can maintain that relevance that they already have or they're already getting from their first party data partnerships, really. For sellers, our recommendation engine is making so much more of their inventory accessible and valuable, which could be a real pain point for them. So by kind of pushing the right impression at the right time, using this live campaign data that we're ingesting. What about you, Travis, with LiveRamp? Yeah, absolutely. So I think first we have to look at what was the cookie enabling. So the cookie enabled a value exchange on the internet. I would go to a publisher's page. They would use the third-party cookie to personalize my advertising. And in exchange, I got free content. So maybe I watched a video, maybe I browsed an article, maybe I you know looked up a recipe to cook dinner. So there was this value exchange happening between consumers and publishers. Unfortunately, the industry did a really bad job of explaining it. And the third-party cookie wasn't transparent, right? As a consumer, instead of saying, oh, I'm learning how to make dinner tonight, that's a great value exchange. You know, I, I don't know how to cook, but here I'm getting this awesome recipe. Instead, I said, well, why are there 200 plus cookies tracking me? And what are all these companies I've never heard of? So we did a really bad job. And now we're seeing the end of the third-party cookie and really the end of any unconsented device identifier. So third-party cookies, mobile ad IDs we saw with ATT recently rolled out with Apple. We see IP address leaving now in iOS 15. NAT catcher now taking effect in 2022 from Google, eliminating IP address there. And then, of course, Chrome kind of eliminating cookies in late 2023. And so instead, the industry is having to move to a way to better represent that trusted value exchange to the consumer. So as an industry, we have to regain the trust of the consumer. We have to make them aware of the value exchange and enable them to really choose to, to 
opt into it. And that's where ATS or the authenticated traffic solution comes into play. So at LiveRamp, we're really invested in enabling publishers to easily connect their trusted consumer relationships with market of first, second, and third party data. So ATS enables any way a consumer logs into a website. So I go to that same recipe website, you know, I'm, I'm hungry, I need to, to make dinner, I uh, wanna learn a new recipe. I share my email address, type that in. LiveRamp then connects that email address to our identity graph. We don't add it, we don't store it, we don't co-op it. We match it and we delete it. We give the publisher back an identifier. That identifier, a ramp ID envelope, can then be connected through our partner integrations, like our partnership with Xander and our sidecar technology to enable private marketplace deals, programmatic guaranteed and open exchange, while giving the publisher full control of which platforms have access to their identity. And then marketers can bring their first party data, their third party data, second party data, they can connect it to that ID as well, make a smart bid decision. And then importantly, Every impression bought on Ramp ID can be measured on Ramp ID. I think Xander's identity strategy really reinforces that we're truly an open market. Our goal is to help buyers and sellers navigate the changing privacy and identity landscape. We want them to be successful for when ultimately we see the deprecation of third-party cookies. So this means really focusing on developing a suite of capabilities that enable buyers and sellers to be successful in our marketplace. I think this is an awkward transition period that we're going to have to help buyers and sellers navigate. And that means focusing on proprietary capabilities, leveraging data science and modeling, partnering with leading data providers and identity solutions, as well as enabling publishers and marketers to better take advantage of their first party data. It's really going to be about leveraging multiple capabilities aligned for the same goal, which I think is reflective in our strategy of proprietary capabilities and partnerships. I love that you described this as an awkward transition period. That's an excellent way to describe it. So some buyers are concerned that scale and reach are going to be greatly impacted in this cookie-less world. Daniel, what do you think? I think it depends on the approach. For pure deterministic solutions that goes beyond the wall gardens, I don't think it's realistic to think that 100% of the traffic will be willing to authenticate on each publisher they visit. So in that case, I think they're right. But you have other alternatives as well, such as probabilistic or both deterministic and probabilistic solutions that will allow all these use cases that we mentioned being able to do in cross-site or cross-apps environments. I think there will be inevitably trade-offs between scale and accuracy, but marketers will have a menu of options, luckily, from which to choose from. There will be also browser API solutions or first-party data approaches, and the list goes on and on. I think what's most impacted rather than scale is complexity. Marketers will still be able to reach out in scale. It's just that now it'll be so much more difficult to do so because they will have to use more different solutions to get the right scale versus performance mix. I think this strengthens the position that Xander took earlier in the year that we need to have a multi-pronged approach. I've seen numbers that show we can expect something like 10 to 30% of impressions be addressable in comparison to today's 80% plus. But I don't think that necessarily means that there's a cause for concern. Audiences don't have to be addressable for them to be relevant and valuable. My team is currently working on using data science models to predict addressable audiences in non-addressable environments. This enables marketers to extend their first-party addressable audiences into cookie-less environments to get that scale and that reach that they want 
but in a smarter way by using their first party data as the seed set. That's just an example, but I think a pretty good one of how I'd expect buyers to leverage both addressable and non-addressable capabilities to get relevant reach. Thanks, Eva. Sonia, what do you over at Aluma think? I think it's absolutely a relevant concern, especially when people have been used to this approach of using cookie-based audience solutions. And certainly anything that is audience and identity-based purely on its own is going to be tough to scale. You do eventually run out of road. So I think for us, and certainly within my personal point of view, it's all about that scaling intelligently without losing relevance you kind of have to think laterally and and use other indicators which are scalable and can work alongside the other strategies that you have in place. For us at Illuma, the way that we find relevance is we filter through the noise and find those specific contexts that can really scale. And this, of course, is um, a huge machine learning task to do in real time, but something that we have developed over the past few years. And what it tends to mean for our partners is that they're able to get this unlimited relevant scale. And it's something that can be switched on really easily to expand audiences and first party data segments. But the really key part is the quality of that first party data at the beginning. And we certainly see the most powerful results when we're activating partnerships alongside kind of media and telecoms firms who tend to have that really high quality data. Because what we find is when you have that high quality, you're more likely to find more accurate and better lookalike audiences as well. And Travis, what about you? I think we have to think about what is the true reach today. So when we talk about connecting a marketer's data, we always start at the CRM level. So a marketer has subscribers or perhaps they have a a membership program or a loyalty program or they have customers. And so we take the CRM data and historically, to your earlier question, we connected this via third-party cookies, right? So we would go CRM data to ramp ID, our people-based ID, and then we'd go to a third-party cookie. And then we'd make a few more jumps because, of course, we had to go from the live ramp third-party cookie to, let's say, the DMP's third-party cookie, who then had to go to the DSP's third-party cookie. We had to go to the SSP's third-party cookie. So we had the alphabet soup of ad tech, and we were jumping at each one to a different cookie space. And each time we made a jump, it was like a currency transaction. There was a fee associated with it, and that fee was the data loss. And so the marketer segment got smaller and smaller. Now, What we've changed is we've said, let's instead of having third-party cookies at all, we're going to have a ramp ID on a marketer side, and we're going to have a ramp ID on the publisher side. Those same SSPs, DSPs, DMPs still involved, still moving the data, facilitating the transaction, decisioning on the media. But now, instead of doing it on a third-party cookie, they're doing it on a people-based ramp ID. There's no data loss whatsoever. So in our tests, in our case studies, we are seeing consistent increases in reach when you buy on ramp ID versus third-party cookie. And we think that the internet is going to become even more authenticated than it is today. So even if authentications only reach 30%, which we think is very, very possible, that we're going to see addressable reach actually increase for marketers because you're removing all of the cookie syncs and you're also removing a key limitation. We're no longer limited to just Chrome. When we talked about cookie match rates, we were talking about Chrome match rates, 60% of the universe. But ATS works across Chrome, Safari, Microsoft Edge, and Firefox. And then importantly, it works in other, even more interesting and exciting environments than display. It works in connected TV. ATS is designed to work in the internet of things. So we're gonna offer marketers all kinds of experiences to reach and personalize the experience of their user. 
So keeping in mind that insane complexity that some of you have mentioned, what advice do you have for our listeners, whether they're buyers or sellers or agencies or maybe other solution partners, on how to implement new technology and solutions into their existing strategy? Sonia, let's start with you. We have the gift of time a little bit. Obviously, with all of the changes that happened kind of just before the summer, it meant that people in our industry have a bit more time and can take a bit more time on without so much pressure to get everything sorted by the end of this year. We all know that this is happening in 2023, and it gives us all a bit more time to establish those test and learn strategies, really, to understand truly what data is available now, what's going to be available post cookie deprecation. And it's all about finding there isn't going to be a single solution that's going to fix this. And it's about testing and figuring out how all of the different complementary solutions might dovetail together to discover relevance in different ways, to just discover scale in different ways in order to maintain and really improve your campaign outcomes in the future. I think it's really exciting. I really do. And I think it's something that the industry and certain consumers need as well. Definitely. Rob, what do you think? I guess there's like the operational consideration. Implementing new stuff shouldn't be hard. If it doesn't fit into people's way of doing business, then it's going to create friction and that slows you down. So the first thing is pick a partner that integrates seamlessly with your DSP or your SSP. People that are integrated with Xander in a real-time data provider way or whatever the integration is, is a good step. But I think the bigger call to arms is probably around just trying new things and learning ahead of the curve because all changes like this come with winners and losers. So yeah, if you're not experimenting with cookie-less solutions now, you're already missing out on a big chunk of the market, i.e. the iOS users and Android users are soon to follow. So it's really time to get testing and you shouldn't be having fun with it and learning lots now while you still can. I think this is probably simple, but I'd recommend patience. I think, you know, some solutions are much further along than others in terms of readiness. So I'd recommend everyone be patient when evaluating and when implementing any new solution. You know, leaning into testing, providing continuous feedback is great, but also be mindful and understanding if things aren't moving quite as quickly as you'd like them to, because things do change. I think it's just important to state the industry is all undergoing this massive change together, which is why I think patience at this moment is the most important thing I can probably recommend. Daniel? Another good question. I would say I have three. The first one is prepare in advance. Don't leave this as something to figure out late 2023. I think something that we can learn from Google, delaying the deadline for almost two years for the deprecation of third-party cookies, is that this is change is, is not trivial, even for them, that are huge and huge resources. So I would say set some budgets now for testing and iteration so you and your team can have enough time to build know-how and have a clear cookie-less strategy in place before the deadline. Second, I would say rely on partners. A good place to start is ask your existing partners, how will you support all these use cases going forward? Most of them probably are already figuring out that and they could help accelerate your learning curve. 
Also be willing to test new partner solutions as well. And third, I would say make testing a habit. A good thing about our market is that it's true it's complex or, or the complexity increases, but it moves so fast that there's so much innovation out there that you don't want to miss the opportunity it can bring to your brand. So you don't want to be that organization that misses out because it's too slow or risk averse. So I would say if you embrace all these three, you're going to be more than okay. And last but not least, Travis. So I think whether you're a buyer or a seller, now is the time to test solutions, right? So we had a, a two-year delay with the cookie, just under two years. Originally, it was going to go away in January of 2022. Now it's going to go away in late 2023. So we have more time. But we have to look at this time as an opportunity to test, as an opportunity to migrate off cookies faster. So everyone should be taking this time as just that, a delay. It is not a sign that the cookie is not going to go away. So if you're a publisher, deploy an authenticated solution, play around with contextual solutions, and really work to test the different post-cookie mechanisms for making your inventory addressable or monetizable. And do so in a way that garners and gains consumer trust. We've got to put the consumer first above all else. If you ever have to ask yourself, am I sacrificing privacy or am I sacrificing reach? You should always be sacrificing reach. As an industry, we lost the trust of the consumer once. We can't do it again. And then as a marketer, People-based campaigns work differently than cookie-based campaigns. Your frequency capping looks different. Your CPMs look different. Your KPIs look different. So you need to start testing those campaigns and then start migrating over. The beauty of buying on Ramp ID via a platform like Xander is that you buy across all of our inventory. That inventory with our third-party cookie graph plus the ATS inventory plus any mobile and app inventory. And you can frequency cap and buy across all of our different channels. So for marketers, there's no reason not to start transitioning off of third-party cookies to people-based IDs today and get the best of both worlds, the scale of the third-party cookie and the cookie-less inventory that's available already. It's so interesting to hear all of these different perspectives back-to-back. It really shows how complex the state of identity is in each country, but also that at the same time, we are all working towards one goal, really, and that is to better and make consumer privacy more transparent. Huge thank you to my guests, Travis, Sonia, Rob, Eva, and Daniel for participating in this episode and sharing your wisdom. Next week's episode is all about the buyer's perspective on identity, of course, from a couple different countries. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out. Unsponsored content is produced by Christine Rubenstein and Sound by Laura with special support from the Xander Communications team. For the latest updates and to get caught up on season one, follow us on social media at Xander on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. If you like this podcast or wanted to give us feedback, follow, rate, and subscribe with us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thanks for tuning in. See you later, alligators. The views or opinions expressed by the speakers are solely their own and do not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Xander, Inc.